You're listening to Behind the Bliss, a weekly podcast where Rachel Autry brings conversations to you from women that share what's behind their highlight reel. Each episode is designed for you to see a message from the mess and encourage you to find balance in the bliss. We know that what you're facing is important for shaping who God has created you to be. Some may say it's a process that often happens behind the bliss. Here's today's episode. Hey friends, welcome to another episode of Behind the Bliss. I am totally digging this fall weather, and by fall weather, I mean the 60 degrees mornings in Mississippi, but in the afternoons, it raises to about like 80 degrees, so I don't know if you would even call that fall, but I am here for it. And with fall, we know, based on last week's episode with Michael and Smith, that people are starting to decorate for fall, which is really great. And I'm sure if your newsfeed looks like mine, you've seen so many people's homes and pumpkins and porches and all the things. I don't have a porch to decorate. (laughs) I do not have tons of pumpkins around my house. I'm bringing in fall by just lighting a candle, putting on my fall playlist on speakers around our home opening up the windows to feel that brisk breeze. And that's pretty much about it. With people posting the best and sharing the highlight reel of their life and their home and all the things, it makes it pretty easy for us to think for a quick second that their life is better. Or as people say, the grass is greener on the other side. And on top of that, we're getting messages thrown at us to hustle and we might have the life that we want or the life that they have if we work hard enough, if we do enough, and then we'll be enough. Well, today's guest, Jamie Ivey, tackles these thoughts and messages, and she offers us something better. Jamie is also a podcast host of The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey, and like I love to say, when you get two podcast girls in one room, we have a blast. In today's episode, she encourages us to turn to God and away from our feeds if we really want to discover our purpose and direction. And good news, her new book, You Be You, is out for you today. So we're going to talk about all of that too. If you need an encouragement, a big virtual hug from Jamie and I, or you want to discover your purpose and you're not even quite sure where to start, then this episode is totally for you. Jamie, my girl, welcome to Behind the Bliss podcast. Rachel, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. I I said it before we recorded, but I love when podcasts intertwine and are able to join forces because podcast people are so much fun. Oh, I love it too, because usually you're like, oh, you have a good mic. This is awesome. Yes. (laughs) And you don't have to talk through the nitty gritty logistics. Totally. This is going to be so fun. So you're not only a podcaster, though. You're a wife and a mom. You are an author and now to a new book. And we'll get there in a second. But I want you to take a moment to tell us a little bit about who Jamie is, what you're up to these days. I love that. Thank you. I live in Austin, Texas. We've been here 12 years, which is crazy because it feels like I've lived here forever. Yeah. Um, But that might just be like the way COVID is making us feel like (laughs) things are actually like a million years long. I feel bad. Um, Yeah. So we've been here 12 years. Uh, My husband, Aaron, is a pastor at our church, the Austin Stone. And that's what brought us to Austin. We have four kids, uh, 16, 15, 14, and 12. And so we basically drive kids around all day long and, you know, try to figure out how to make their lives work. And we have two dogs and I love taking walks with my family. I love when my husband cooks and I love reading and I have a podcast, like you mentioned, called The Happy Hour, uh, which is my main gig, my favorite job. I don't know how you feel about podcasting, but I adore it. I love chatting with people. I love hearing stories. So yes, that's what I do. 
Oh, absolutely my favorite thing. And I love it too because sometimes I feel like online can be so sterile. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, you can get your voice across fine. And videos are fun too, but there's something about – I feel like people kind of get an inside listen to a phone call between two yes. friends. Yes, yeah. I do enjoy it so much. Yeah, it's it's so fun. So I recently saw your family – in their video on yes. uncomfortable conversations with a black man with mm-hmm. Emmanuel. And it was mm-hmm. so amazing. Thank so eye opening. And I admire just your generosity and just sharing the story and what this looks like for behind the scenes of your family. Um, I have two black brothers that are step adopted brothers. It's kind okay. of a crazy long story. Got it. And they came into my life a little bit later. So I feel like the conversations you guys were having were so beautiful because I have recently, I feel like, have had to come full frontal with these kind yeah. of conversations. And um, it just was so beautiful to see a family walk it out eloquently. And ours feels like shifting from first to third without a clutch. Mm. So, and it might feel like that for you too. But yeah. I just needed you to know that was awesome. And for people listening, that's kind of what Jamie's all about. I feel like pulling back the scenes of what's really going on in life, which is what we're all about here too. Well, thank you. That was an honor. We told Emmanuel it was just an honor because we knew that he had a large platform and we knew that it was going to expose um, our entire family to more people who would, you know, know about us. Like Aaron and I are both public. He's a pastor here. I have my podcast and an author, um, but our kids are not. And so that was a big thing for us. And we yeah. knew that it was going to open um, doors that we have intentionally kept close with our kids and things. Mm -hmm. And so we told him we were honored and thankful and we talked to our kids about it. And, you know, at the end of the day, we told our kids, we just want to be helpful for people. Like we want to be able to share, Hey, here's what we've learned. Here's what we're learning. Here's how we've screwed up. Here's a few things we might've done right. And so it was, um, it was a great opportunity. I mean, he texted us last week and said like over 3 million people have viewed it, which wow, I don't know when this is coming out, but that was the summer and it was just crazy. So I'm thankful, you know, it was, we didn't have an opportunity to ch- share anything about our faith on the show. And that was intentional just to keep it kind of about just one thing. And, yeah. you know, the greatest comments to me that I've seen come in have been like, I just thought there was something different about you guys. And yes, I came over yes. here and it, I see that you love Jesus. And I'm like, oh, I love that so much. Yep. And because that's what we want to do is we want to be light in the world. So it was fun for us to let our kids experience what that feels like, even though Aaron and I get to do that often. But it was also super scary for me to let my kids <laughs> do that because being out in the public is not for the faint of heart. No, ma'am. That's so funny too. I, I heard this one time and it hasn't left me. Someone once said, Jesus is attractive to everyone, whether they know it's Jesus or not. Mm, so, so just good. you saying things that are out of light and love and fruits of the spirit, I feel like people are going to be attracted to that. And so totally they're going to ask questions like, what is different about this family? They're totally, yeah. you know, out of the ordinary from what I've used to, I, what I've been used to saying, especially in media. And here you guys are being able to evangelize like ninjas. You're not actually evangelizing with right. the name of Jesus. You're just able to evangelize with the gifts you have, which is really, I feel like what your book is about is what I'm kind of pulling from it is how can you tune in to the gifts that you have, your uniqueness you've been created to be, to leave a legacy, to leave a mark and to do really cool work here on earth 
with the influence God's given you. 100%. You summed it up quite well. Yes. (laughs) You were able to walk that out with your kids. I hope so. Yeah, we're trying. We're trying. Yeah. Well, okay. I want you to dive into the book because I think that this is a topic that, I, I mean, I hear about it often. It's one of those that's kind of fuzzy and it's really hard to navigate, like specifically success, right? Because everyone's got a different idea of what success is. How do you use influence? Is it vain or is it actually something you're supposed to do well? I mean, it just yeah. it, it can go all over the place. And so I want to hear about this new book, You Be You, and what it's about. I just would love for you to give a listener a sneak peek yeah. what they can expect. You know, when I started um, working on this project, I have a friend that I bounced a bunch of ideas off. She's also um, an author and a speaker and she follows Jesus. And so it was a good, um, she was a good kind of litmus test for me. And I kept throwing around the word success. And I said, it's so crazy because the world is telling us be successful, be successful. And I, as a woman who runs a business, I want to be successful, but then I feel that Christians sometimes say, don't be successful. And so I feel like it's this confusing idea of, am I bad if I want success or what even is success? And so the book kind of started that way and it morphed a little bit. That's how books do. It morphed a little bit to less of that concept of, is it okay to desire success as a Christian? It, it, Mm. It morphed into more of, I think not only is it okay, but it can't be our driving force because what I have found is the litmus test of success, it changes all the time and who's actually deciding what is successful and what's not. And so me personally, as I'll just use my podcast, for example, as a podcaster, there are ways, and you know this, there are ways to, to judge your podcasts. You can look at download numbers. Mm -hmm. Now, The struggle with that is, well, what number is a successful podcast? Like, who's to measure it against what? Yeah. Yeah. Like, what is it like? I mean, who sets the standard? And so I started to realize I think what we really want is faithfulness. Like, we want to be faithful to what God has called us to do, the ways He has gifted us, the places that He has planted us. And what I found in my own personal life is that when I am pursuing faithfulness over whatever the idea of success is, and it can be in any category, I'm using the example of podcasts right here, but it can be in any category. What does it mean to be a successful student, teacher, mom, wife, um, banker, like who says? And again, there's always that caveat that of course there are standards like on my particular show, like I have to meet certain numbers to keep advertisers, you know, or if you're a teacher, you probably have a meeting every year with your principal. That's like, everyone failed. This is a problem, you know? (laughs) And so, but in my heart, when I stopped chasing whatever this made up somebody else's rule of what a successful fill in the blank was, and I started chasing the fact that I wanted to be a woman who got to the end of her days and could stand before the Lord and say, I was faithful with what you gave me, mm-hmm. with where you put me, with who you surrounded me with. That's what I want to chase. And so that's kind, that's where the book came out. And, you know, the tagline is satisfaction and success are closer than you think, because I think they're so close. Success is close when we change our idea of success into faithfulness. So that's, that's what this whole project came from is, you know, another thing too, I don't know if you've seen this. I'm sure that you have. You're, uh, you know, you you know things. 
<laughs> I've seen a lot of conversations in the past two to three years about you can do whatever you want. Yes. You can control your own there. destiny. <laughs> Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Uh, take the world as it's your oyster. Do whatever you want. And the thing about those sayings is, I mean, I say in the book, I've probably said them before. Like, you can do this, girl. I believe in you. You can do whatever you want. You know, your dreams, chase them, all the things. But I think they fall short when there's not another part to it. It's like, that's part A. And then part B is, but the gospel and what did God ask you to do? And I started noticing that there were women who were telling women they could do whatever they want, but that's actually not true. Like, like I'll never be able to be somebody else because God made me to be me. And so if I'm chasing her and her gifts and her talents and her ideas of success, I'm miserable and I'm unsuccessful and not faithful and all the things. So all of those ideas came in to the book of UBU. Oh, I love this girl preach because we all have something to bring to the table. I just, I think the hardest part of the equation for a lot of people is to actually find what makes us unique. And it actually reminds me of first Peter 410 when it says each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in various forms. So like if you've been given a gift and I mean, think about a Christmas morning, if you have a gift under the tree for you and you're like, nah, I'm good. Why would you not open it? And then if you open it and it's a basketball, why would you not go play with it? You know, yeah. and it's it's similar, you know, I love that. I love that verse you just said because um, the last part of it says, use your gifts to serve others or use yeah. your gifts to serve those around you. Yeah. And that kind of had this, I had a the little eye-opening experience with that verse because when you start to think that your gifts aren't good enough, or they're not, I mean, we do this in the in society, in the world, and we do this within the church as well, of kind of labeling the best gifts, B team gifts, C team gifts. Ooh, all, you know, we good. do that to each other. We do it to ourselves. We look around and think, well, God must love them more because they have the gift of teaching, or God must love them more because they have the successful worship leading career. Like we do that in the church. And I started to kind of dive into that verse a little bit more and think, you know what? When I actually read God's word, he's gifted me in a particular way to serve others and to bring him glory. Like we see that through the scriptures is that we need to serve those around us. And that verse you just read, like we can use our gifts to do that. Um, And then we read in Matthew five, where he says, you know, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to our father who's in heaven. And so when we, when we look and go, okay, I actually want to be a woman who trusts God loves me, trust that he's not out to get me and trust that he has purpose for me, then I'm going to say, okay, I'm going to use what you've given me to serve others and bring you glory. And that mind shift, it almost takes it where we're not so focused on us anymore. And we're focused on how do I do the will of my father, which is what we want. You know, it's what we want to do, but we have all these voices and outside things and the world and Instagram and friends and TV saying, no, just serve yourself. Like do whatever you need to do to get ahead mm-hmm. for yourself. And it's a mind shift. It's a mind shift. It's almost like, well, what does the gospel say that I need to do in this world? And that is profound when you can shift. God, I trust you. You've given me something and it's not for me. Right. I'm going to go serve others with it. Yep. So here's where I stand now, Jamie. If I can just get completely real, I'm Mm -hmm. like, I think there's a lot of people listening that are thinking, 
of course I want to use my gifts, but I just don't even know what my gift is. Like, I don't even know how I'm unique or what, how I've been created. So if someone was sitting in that place right now, wanting to jump on board, just not knowing where to start, how mm-hmm. would you encourage them to uncover what makes them unique and what gifts they might have? You know, I, um, I have this friend who used to always say the need is the call. And Mm, what he meant by that was look around, you know, and see where I can serve, look around and see where I can give my life away for something, look around at what's going on and see how I can do that. Um, And so I think that when you're trying to figure out what are your giftings, like where are you, what, what makes you come alive when you think about it? You know, where do you feel so content in serving the Lord? Um, you know, for, for me, I'll, I'll give you this quick story real quick and then I'll go back is I remember I really, really, really enjoy um, standing on a stage and speaking to women. And I struggled with how much I loved that for so long because I thought, do I just want to be in like the spotlight? Like right. this is prideful. This is vain. What's going on, Jamie? Like why? And then I really started to say like, well, maybe I enjoy it so much because God's gifted me in that way. Yeah. And so maybe if I viewed it more from what an honor that someone would invite me to their church to speak to their women and I enjoy doing it. It's not a, it's not a pain for me. It's not a, oh, I don't go begrudgingly. Like I enjoy every minute of it, every single minute of it. And so I started to view that gift differently. And so I think sometimes it is going before the Lord, like really, really being in his word and praying, because what you don't want to do is try to look around and take like a inventory of everyone else's gifts and see where you fit in. Wow. Because that just turns into, well, it's true. I'm not as good as I thought I was, you know, or she's, of course she's better or all the things. And so I think that that changes it for sure. Um, and, and, you know, that leads a lot of women to ask like, well, where, how do I, how do I know where I'm called? What am I doing? What are yeah. my giftings? And I think sometimes, uh, my friend, Rebecca Lyons says that your calling is where your burdens and your talents collide. And so for me, I think we have this idea of like, I need to figure out exactly what I'm good at and I'll know immediately. Can I tell you that I'm, I'm 42 I do not start doing what I'm doing now, which I would say like that I have been gifted and all the things that I'm doing. I did not start doing any of them until I was like 37. Really? Oh yeah. 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 Huh? Yeah. Wow. So, so there's this idea as well as like you're 20 and you're like, I need to know my life's purpose and goal and how am I going to use my gifts? And obviously you do have things to do when you're 20. My whole point in saying that is, you have, I, I don't know if you have a lifetime or not. Some of us only have one more year, whatever it might be, whatever God gives us. But it's a lifelong journey of walking with God and letting him show you where you need to be. Um, I think sometimes finding your giftings too just means showing up and saying yes to things. Yeah. You know, being willing to do things that are uncomfortable, being willing to try new things. Um, this story's in the book, but I don't know if you know this or got to this part, but I, um, I won a radio contest here in town. It's the craziest story ever. And I don't have to go into it except to say that I'd never spoken into a microphone before. And I auditioned for a morning show DJ, like the local morning show on a radio station. And I ended up winning. And so the point in saying that is 
I didn't know that I had maybe that gift of conversation or interview or whatever you might want to call it. I don't even know what to call it, but I just stepped out and did something crazy, Yeah, you know? And I think that's a little bit too, there's, I don't really have this formula except for sometimes you have to get uncomfortable, try new things, man, ask your closest, closest friends. What do you see right, that I can yes. show up and bring to the table? And ask them to be really honest with you. And don't be upset if it's not the gift you thought they were going to say. You know, mm-hmm. like trust in what they see in you. So it's a lifelong journey. Try uncomfortable things. Show up and just keep, keep, keep staying in God's word and asking him to bring you opportunities to use the way he's gifted you. Yeah, I love all of this, especially because I feel like the girls that are listening that are having trouble identifying their calling – I would challenge you and say, instead of looking outwards and trying, like Jamie was saying, collecting the ideas of what's going on, who's who's got what kind of gifting to kind of see where you match and where you land, look inward and like look towards the Lord because he wants to reveal this for you. But as long as you're distracted on her lane and her thing, it's going to be really unclear and uncertain what your thing is. And I love also, Jamie, how you talk through how no one else can fulfill your calling. And you can't fulfill anyone else's because I feel like there's this huge misunderstanding of competition. Mm. And although it can drive you and it can motivate you, it can also be so very dangerous because when you start comparing yourself and your accomplishments to someone else, I mean, it's it's hard to believe that you're not called to the same thing and then start using them as your barometer. And so I want to dive into this idea of comparison because I think that if you have yet to define your calling or you're walking in your calling, comparison is on my ankles. Like it's trying to nip me every single step of the way. And I just want to dive into this. Yeah. I think comparison is nothing new to us. You know, Mm -hmm. this is not like this just showed up when Instagram showed up, you know, a handful of years ago. Um, But it's been around forever, forever of us trying to compare uh, to someone else. Um, and you know, so many times I think that if I could just hustle more, I could be better than her. If I could just Mm -hmm. do more, people would notice my mothering more, or if I could just, you know, be just like her, I'd get the respect as a wife or, uh, in my vocation, whatever that might be. Or we sometimes do this before the father as well. Like, okay, I'm going to, I see what she's doing. I'm going to try to do just like that and see. And so comparison is this never ending cycle that actually leads to more comparison, more pride, and always it leads to insecurity. Like it's not, you're never going to be comparing yourself and then you're going to be like, I'm so secure in who I am. Um, (laughs) Always, it always leads to insecurity. And so we want to be secure and we think we have this lie that the enemy tells us that if we will be just more like her, we'll be secure, but it just leads to insecurity. Right. You know, it just leads to insecurity. And so- for me, I'm trying to just look at my life through the lens of the gospel. And that's a big, like, those are kind of big churchy words. And to me, what that means is in light of what Jesus has done for me, in light of what God has provided and given me here, Mm -hmm. how do I live my life for that? Like, how do I keep doing that? And, um, that helps me when I almost have my eyes on the prize of where is my lane, you know, like where, what lane am I running in? You know, also I've, I've noticed is when I can sense comparison kind of rising up in my, in my soul, in my heart, 
One of the greatest ways um, that I fight comparison is by cheering other people on. Oh, I love that. I do the same. It helps so much. It helps so much because I found that one of the easiest ways to break free from that comparison, that jealousy, that pride is to become a cheerleader, like a a real cheerleader, not a fake cheerleader, not a cheerleader right. like, oh, I'm for all women. <laughs> no, like a cheerleader for those around you. Like yep. really, really intentional and specific. Intentional. Yes, yes. And so cheering them on. And that actually helps us because I think it's where our unhealthy comparison dies when we're actually lifting others up. Yeah. I also totally believe that comparison, like they say, is a thief of joy, but it's also a tool of the enemy. So anytime I feel like I'm getting close to breakthrough or getting close to, man, a really cool next step in whatever I'm doing or whoever I'm having a relationship with or whatever, naturally, I feel like that's the tool the enemy uses in my life to distract me, to make me feel defeated, to make me turn around or call it quits. And so Mm -hmm. in those moments, you can identify like, "Uh -uh -uh," like, I see what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And you're not going to get me this time. Being able to turn around and be like, okay, now who can I champion? Because I, I mean, I just, I so easily can become overcome by it. So I love that practical, just go for it. Just turn around. It's hard when you're thinking through like, okay, so for me, if I can think about for work, I'm like, okay, I'm going to cheer you on Rachel and your podcast like that. That's awesome. But where it gets really sticky and difficult and where we really need like grace and mercy and all those things every single minute is for the woman who has been trying to conceive and trying Mm -hmm. to have a baby for years and years and years. And one by one, her friends are getting pregnant. And that's a story of so many women's lives. So that comparison goes to like, if I could be like her, I'd be happier. My husband would be happier. We'd have the life we want, all those things. And it is by no means to diminish the pain that that, that you feel going through that. But there's this opportunity to be happy for your friend in the midst yes. of your own desire. And that that happiness, that pure happiness, that pure joy, God's going to not only honor that, but I believe he's going to use that to help you fight the sin of comparison. Mm-hmm. And that is hard work. And you said that's your story. I'm sure you can even say like, you've walked this road, how hard that is to be that cheerleader for someone who has something you want so desperately. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for me too, it was, I mean, practically going to baby showers and mm. being excited to be there and not like, oh, I got an invitation. She'll notice if I'm not there kind of thing. Yeah. And mm. it being a, okay, Lord, I need you to fix my heart. And it honestly has identified so many places of sin in my It's humbled me. Wow. Yeah. It's humbled me because I realize I, and there's people listening too. This is you too. I feel like I've got friends and I myself have lost someone I love. And so celebrating Mother's Day or Father's Day or whatever is difficult as far as comparison goes too. So the icky thing about comparison is it's so much further than the workplace. It's so much yes. further than, I mean, it it seeps through everything if we're not mm-hmm. careful and it's so dangerous. And I love what you said, though, in one of the quotes in your book. You said, what if we flipped this whole idea of comparison on its head? What if we took all of the me versus she stuff completely out of the way? And what if we became women who instead of feeling the need to boast in ourselves, simply boasted in the one who made us who we are? 
And I love it because that's my tendency is in those moments I feel attacked and I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, she's threatening my fertility, which is such a lie. <laughs> I'm like, her having a baby has nothing to do with me having a right. baby. Then I can identify it's not me versus her. There's only one enemy here. And it's actually not even me that can compensate what I feel like I'm lacking. Yeah. It's only Jesus that can fill those gaps. And so how can I boast in who he is? And so that brought so much revelation to my current circumstance. And I know it will bring some light to other people too. Wow. Oh, I love that. I love that. And you know, it's just like when you said it's not, she's not your enemy, but it is just like Satan to make you think that she is your enemy. Right. You know, and that she is causing you pain and like you do have pain. That's real, but it's not your friend's fault, you know, and she didn't do anything wrong. And I think that's where so much just um, like accountability with your friends to to tell you what is true. Like I always say, I want my friends like, like, or I need to like, I need to tell myself the gospel. I need to tell myself what is true and what is yes. right. Yeah. And that is really important when you're walking through those very real hard circumstances, like you are talking about, um, where you need a friend to look at you and go, whoever, you know, Rebecca is not your problem, you know, and we can cheer her on and be happy for her in the new life that she's bringing. And, you know, the problem will be more in your hearts. And that's, those are tough pills to swallow. I'll tell you that much. Totally. Totally. So one of the things too, that I think comes with comparison, I'm so glad we're on this topic because I'm seeing it a lot these days is mimicking. Like Mm. there is, man, something I'm seeing often, um, where let's say specifically someone will post something or share something or say something. And therefore someone else sees it and feels like, well, now I have to, because she's in my arena, you know, or she's talking about it. So I must too. And so why do you think it's so important for women to find their own voice rather than mimicking someone else's? Like, what's the danger there? Well, I think one of the dangers just like on like a purely not spiritual way at all, but just like a a life way is that it's not sustainable, you know, like that you can't sustain that influence. And so um, I believe we all have influence. And a lot of us right now that looks like social media or um, for a lot of us, it's, you know, our children in our home. Uh, for a lot of us, it's the organizations that we serve on, the places we volunteer, uh, our offices, even though you may not be there right now, but w- we all have influence. And so the problem that I see with what you're describing is that you can't sustain that mimicking influence and it be substantial and it be like a good thing. Yeah. So for you to just mimic someone else's influence or their voice or what they're talking about, it's keeping you constantly on the defense almost like, okay, I got to, I got to figure out what to say and I'm just going to watch them. And then I'll just, you know, instead of the offensive coming up with, what do I want to say? What do I want to talk about? Or what is my specific community wanting or needing? Yeah. 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 And again, there are some great things that come out of a multitude of voices, Um, you know, and so that I'm not, I'm not negating any of that by any means. Um, but it is important for you to figure out like, what are the things that are going to be my lane that I'm going to talk about? Um, instead of trying to figure out if she talks about it, she seems to have a lot of influence. I'll, I'll be like her. You you can't keep that up. You know, like you just can't, it's, it's impossible. I've heard someone say it's like digging out of a dry well. Yeah. You might find a little, 
<laughs> but unless it's overflowing and unless it's active, it's going to run yeah. out at some point. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, it's very much the same. And I can imagine people mimic because they just truly don't even know what to say for themselves. And so they're inspired or they know that they want to show up and say something, but they don't know how. Because I don't, because like you were saying, I think that there's a lot of topics specifically around these days that I think we do need to speak up for justice on behalf of others. And how we do so, though, can look different. Like the tools that we use to do that can look different. The words we use can look different. The conversations we have will look different. So it's not a copy-paste method because going back to our original part of the conversation, we all have something different to bring to the table. And so almost like disguising yourself as she does and her authenticity is actually doing yourself and others disjustice because they don't get the full you that's needed to complete the full picture. And so what would you say to women who are just struggling just to find their own voice and just are are honestly a little bit lost as to how to show up so they just copy paste? Yeah. I would say there might be too much noise coming in. Ooh, Um, that's good. I think that we, it is, it is, it is hard to not take in information right now. I mean, you pick up, I pick up my phone in the morning. I've already got a notification from CNN and I've got a sauna task coming in. And then I've got, you know, information about my kid's school, like all these things. I, I pick up my phone to turn off the alarm and there they are. And so we yeah. are kind of in information overload. And so I think oftentimes when you're trying to figure out where's my voice, where do I stand in this? Um, we either need to cut out all the noise or cut out some of the noise. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll give you an example that's really current right now with Black Lives Matter. So three of my children are we, three of my children are adopted. We talked about this, and so Black Lives Matter is something that I um, like say, and I believe that all um, people of color deserve, you know, equity and the same kind of things that at the majority culture of white people have in America. So. It's something I'm passionate about, something I'm, I, I believe in. Uh, and I've been in this journey for 15 years. Like this right. isn't what's been going on the past four months. It's not. It wasn't You're like, welcome. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've been having these conversations. I've been leading right. book clubs. I've been doing these things in my podcast for years. I don't say that in a prideful way, but what I do say is a lot of people are going, wait, what's happening? I didn't know this. Um, what, what do I do? What do I say about it? I want to say something. I don't know what to say. She's saying something. I guess I should say what she's saying. And so when I think about a moment like that, I don't think it's okay to take out all the voices, but I do think you might want to go, you know what? I'm going to spend some time listening. I'm going to spend some time listening. Um, and it's not that you are putting your head in the sand and you're like, I don't care, but you're saying, man, I want to learn. I think a lot of times we try to have conversations about things that we don't have enough time equity in learning about. And so that can make you feel uncomfortable. It can make you say things too quickly. It can make you not know where you stand. And so for that particular, you know, example with Black Lives Matter is, man, it might be a good thing to really pick out three or four people that you think you can trust and listen to their voices for a while, you know, and kind of listen and learn and let them teach you. Um, and it doesn't mean that you just don't say anything. And it doesn't mean that you have to say everything, you know? And so I think in our social media day and age, there's this kind of idea. If you're not saying something that you don't care about it. And while I don't think that's necessarily true by any means, um, I think that, you know, there is that we need to stand up for things that we believe to be true. 
Um, mm-hmm. But I don't subscribe to, oh my gosh, it's Tuesday. This came out on Monday. Rachel, I haven't seen you post about it. You must not care about human yeah. life. Like, I don't right. subscribe to that because you know what? I hope you have a life, Rachel. Maybe you're not on your phone, you know? And so, right. uh, but I would just encourage, okay. So my number one encouragement was like, hey, maybe you need to remove some of the noise. And right. on the flip yes. side, I sound like I'm contradicting myself, but maybe you need to just narrow down the noise a little bit if you're trying to learn about a particular subject. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that there's like, there's a lot of people that fall in one of two categories. They're either to hustle, bustle, strive it, that they like miss it and they're just whooshing by and they need to actually sit still for a moment to be able to get the information in order to be equipped for conversation. And then there's also the people that are maybe so intimidated to start. They just are so inundated. They just don't even know what to filter. Yeah. And yeah, which which side do you feel like you land on? Um. With that particular um, topic, I'm actually taking a lot of voices in. Mm -hmm. But like I said, this is not a new topic for me. Now, I have miles to go. Do not hear me say, listen to me. But I am taking in a lot of voices on this because it's it's really important to me and I'm continuing in my education. And so that's where I land on that specific topic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. Do you feel like you have to... With anything, if you feel like you needed to be mm-hmm. equipped for conversation and so you're leaning in and listening, do you feel like you kind of get to a point where you're like, all right, I got to, I got to not even tune it out. That's not what I'm saying, but I guess figure out and like take time to process through, to filter, to be like, okay, this goes there. Cause I feel like I have to compartmentalize at that point or else mm-hmm. I just get so overwhelmed that I become paralyzed. Yeah. That is, would be probably my tendency is to become mm-hmm. so overwhelmed that I become paralyzed. That's like my go-to in life sometimes. I'm an <laughs> yeah. Enneagram six and that could be a tendency that we might have. Um, so for me, it would be like, okay, now at this point in my journey, I'm going to bring some people in. I'm also a verbal processor. Yeah. And so what I've learned is I don't need to verbal process what I'm learning on a podcast. Amen. <laughs> that's funny because a it sounds like a mess like if you are my friend and you hear my voxer messages it's like 12 minutes of nonsense yep. and the last minute's like okay here's what i really think <laughs> like you know yes. and so i have learned that i need to work those things out before they ever come out publicly whether that be in a podcast an interview on a stage a book whatever that might be and so I mean, for me, there are going to be some things that I like truly hold true to, but they're just not going to be my lane. I'm not out like talking about them because it's not what I'm passionate about. And that's okay. Yeah, that's good. This yeah. is why people, you can trust Jamie when she writes a book because Aww. she processes through it. <laughs> she leans in, she processes, she yes. filters, she has outside voices that love her and want the best for her and readers. And so for <laughs> real... I cannot even, yes, please get your hands on UBU as soon as it hits shelves. I will share all of the information about when it comes out and all that in intro outro, but I would love for you to tell us where we can find you online, where we can find your book once it's available, all the things, Jamie. I love it so much. Well, if you want to find out everything as soon as you hear this show, you can text the word friend to 33777. It's this Woo-hoo! new thing. We just started it. We're going to see how it works. But if you text the word friend to 33777, we're going to hit you up with a text and we'll get you everything you need to know. But my webpage is jamieivy.com. I love hanging out on Instagram. I'm at Jamie Ivy. And the book, you can get it wherever books are sold. Pre-order it. Get it. It's, I think you're going to like it. I hope so. I poured my I heart into it. I think they will. Yeah, are you kidding so, me? <laughs> jamieivy.com. 
Love it. Oh, okay. Jamie, I got to ask you one of your favorite questions. Oh, what is it? What is something you're loving these days? Oh. You have to share with the people. I love this question. And you know what's so funny is I ask this question every time I interview someone. When someone asks me, I like start looking at my office, like, what am I loving? What exactly <laughs> what's am on I my desk at the moment? Loving? What's on my desk at this moment? Um, okay, so I got something for you. This is, I don't think I've ever even said this. This is random. My friend gave me this for my birthday, and it's a silk pillowcase. Oh, and yeah. I think it's even by the company. Like, this would be weird. Don't quote me on this silk. That seems like too good of a name for a company that sells silk pillowcases. Yeah, I think it is. Okay. Well, she got me a silk pillowcase and an eye mask. And I love that silk pillowcase so much that the other day, um, we have our um, our lady that cleans our house twice a month. She did our bed and she put it my pillowcase on Aaron's pillow. Oh, no, girl. So, yeah. So I went to bed that night and... I like my pillow more than I even like my silk pillowcase. And so I was like, I'll switch it tomorrow. Like, I'm just so tired. So I went to bed. Aaron woke up the next morning. And <laughs> no, this is what happened. So the next morning when I was making the bed, I switched. I'm like, okay, I'm going to make this right. I need my silk pillowcase yes. on my favorite pillow. And we got in bed that night and he's like, wait, where's that silk pillowcase? I really like that. I was like, oh, no, no, no. Uh-uh. That's my silk pillowcase. <laughs> you yeah. can buy your own silk pillowcase. Get your own. Mine. <laughs> so is- I'm loving that. I love it. I asked for my birthday one year. Oh, oh, and it's actually slip. I just remembered oh, slip. Oh, yes. That yeah. Sounds I um, I asked one for my birthday. And my husband was like, "Let me get this straight. You want a pillowcase for your birthday?" I said, <laughs> "Yes. That's how you know you're becoming an adult when you ask for a vacuum cleaner and a pillowcase." One hundred percent. Yes. Oh, yes. uh, it's hilarious, yeah. Jamie. Thank you so much for spending time today and just Rachel, sharing- you're a joy. All your goodness, for real. This was so fun. And I always look forward to listening to Happy Hour Podcast. So, yay. Well, I'm so happy to be on your podcast, and you are doing a great job. So, thank you, thank you, thank you. This episode of Behind the Bliss Podcast has ended, but be sure to subscribe for more episodes so you don't miss episodes full of encouragement. And don't forget to rate and review so that we can continue to bring you the best content. See you in the next episode.